Conversations with Leaders is a podcast focused on the intersection of business and technology. Today, we're discussing scalable security for the public sector. Join Sarah Ryle of the AWS Institute as she interviews Liam Maxwell, Director of Digital Government Transformation at AWS, and Alex Meek Holmes, Senior Manager of Government Transformation at AWS, about the intricacies of security in the public sector. In this episode, we're talking to experts about security and how important that is for successful transformation. I'm Sarah Ryle, and our experts today are Liam Maxwell, who's the Director of Government Transformation at AWS, and his colleague Alex Meek-Holmes, who's a digital leader. Liam and Alex led modernisation of government services within the UK government, and they now advise other public sector reformers from all over the world about public sector transformation. Why is security so important to transformation? Citizens need to be able to trust the government to look after their data effectively. They also need to make sure that the services are going to be there when they need them. So that requirement for great security and resilience is right at the heart of what reformers need to have as they build new services. A lot of the IT that's around now to do this modernisation with, that that feels very different, doesn't it, from the traditional way uh, that the governments access technology. How, how, does, how does that impact people's appreciation, understanding of, of keeping that secure? One of the biggest trends we see around the world when it comes to transformation is the use of cloud computing. And cloud computing is the access to compute, storage, analytics on demand. And it really gives customers, when they're building or designing government services, they get scalability, flexibility, so they can, they can change the service very easily, innovation, the ability to stand up new services. And when they're thinking about cloud computing and it's a completely new way of, of consuming technology, it's also important to be secure. You often wouldn't think it. So, you know, cloud has all these benefits around scalability and flexibility, but it also gives you one of the extra benefits around security as well. Why is it more secure? So I think in the same way, if you want to scale something very quickly, so for example, countries around the world, they had to scale their benefits payment systems very quickly to cope with extra benefits or unemployment payments due to the pandemic. If you need to scale something very quickly, you don't want to have to spend lots of time thinking about and provisioning extra servers. And the same kind of shared responsibility or leveraging expertise from someone else applies to security as well. So you want to focus on delivering better services and you can use cloud computing companies to focus on security, security of the, of the servers, security of the underlying software and the security underlying hardware and the physical security of data centers for you whilst you're focusing on, on the services. How is that different from how it was done previously and, and, and what were the implications of that? So I guess previously, organizations were taking that responsibility for securing hardware and infrastructure themselves. And the approaches they took to security went in line with that physical approach. So this would mean they would need to see and, and, and almost physically touch the servers and the audit requirements relied on that. And if you go back 10, 20, 30 years, often this technology was bespoke for each country that used it. And therefore, they often had bespoke security requirements. So you'd have these long contracts and they would say, we need to stand up this service and they would let out the long contract and then someone would go away and build hardware very specifically. 
Now, if you are consuming something on demand and you want that scalability and flexibility, you can't have bespoke requirements. You need to consume it in the way that it's sold to be able to triple the number of servers you're using overnight. Tell me why you can't, uh, why it doesn't work to have to go and build your own systems. What we've seen in the pandemic, it's been incredibly important to be able to respond to external events, you know, be responsive uh, is a term we use a lot. Now, if you're bespoking things or if you have very long contracts with change control notices, you don't have that ability to respond and serve citizens and businesses in the way that they demand, both in terms of having a service that is resilient or a service that can cope with the extra demand. And also, just for example, people in the pandemic, a lot more people working from home and they may be using mobile devices in the way they weren't before. And services had to change to be able to cope with that. I mean, Liam, this you, you were sort of there when this really got going in the UK. Can you tell us a bit about how security had to become a, something that actually enabled this transformation rather than this huge block? Trust was right at the heart of the reforms that we delivered. And we went cloud first in 2013, much, much earlier than, than many other governments and public service organizations. The reason we went cloud first was because of security, because we could see cloud as the enabler for better security across the public sector. We had, I think, at one point, about 300 data centers, which you'd have to manage, control, make sure they were audited properly, make sure that they were patched, that all the servers were up to date all the time. That was a ridiculous situation of administration that slowed down any hope of getting reform moving. So we moved to cloud first because we moved to better security. And and that meant we had simpler, more effective security where we could share our security model with the best security models in the world. And that meant that our services could then be built on a secure platform, which meant we could focus on delivering great public services, knowing that the security, particularly the security of the cloud, was looked after and, and run effectively. So the, really, the big change there was turning security from something which was a big obstacle to reform into the prime accelerating part and enabling part of our reforms. And I think there were two elements to that. One was the security and accepting that actually companies, hyperscale cloud providers who, like AWS, this is job zero, they, there is international best practice and international recognized best security standards that you can accept. And there are audit reports and things that you can look at to see the security of cloud rather than having your own bespoke style. Which we didn't have for all of the messy estate that we had. We had no consolidated security report to go to. So moving to the cloud was, tr I mean, massively helpful to make sure that we knew that what was being looked after was there. And if you are living in a data center world where you're looking after all your stuff on premise, there's a huge amount of admin there, which just moving to the cloud resolves. But at the same time, it made it more secure. But then we, all the reports that the creditors have said, said our security was, was secure because it ticked boxes. And actually, if you look at cyber threats today, it's not a static thing. So if you're getting a, an accreditor ticking a box one year, a year later, that's already out of date. Well, yeah, I mean, a day later, that's out <laughs> yeah. of date. And, and, and that's one of the, the, the really big things is because it's such a dynamic environment that you have to be continually up to date. And as a public service organization, if you're running a set of hospitals or if you're running a set of, of government departments, I mean, that's not your core business. And yet it is the core business of 
a hyperscale cloud provider like AWS. It's job zero for us at AWS. And that meant that the government was able to access and leverage the best security that was available and access all of the other great things that you talked about earlier about um, capabilities and being able to get stand-up capabilities on demand. And data classification, I guess, is the other side to that. Yeah, so data classification was was really the most powerful administrative tool. And for lots of people, it sounds like a really arcane function that, that the way that you classify your data could be the most powerful way of reforming government was something which I think was lost on lots of people. But we worked out that... People have been classifying data in a way to keep hold of the silos and the bespoke systems which have been built for government. And actually, we we were asking the wrong question. What we needed to do, and, and the British government was really forward thinking in this, was move away from the Cold War way of thinking about data where you had to know where it was, hold on to it, make sure you, you had everything there and, and really move to a stage where you you applied the best um, security measures that were available in industry to everything that the government looked after. And then there were some areas, secret and top secret, that's areas where military on deployment or the intelligence agencies or, or serious and organized crime activities, those were all dealt with and protected by sovereign technologies, which were specialist to those. But 95, 96% of all of the government's data and the work that we were doing wasn't in that space. It's in the delivery of public services, which needs to be at the level of best practice in industry. And so we moved all of our work for delivery of public service to a layer called official. And that definition of official meant we deployed the best practice of industry in terms of security on all of the data that we worked with across the whole of the government. Now, that reform was deep and profound, but it also meant that you had to access and use the best security that was available to you. And in fact, that went hand in hand with the Cloud First program because the two policies were actually aligned that the best security we could get was in the cloud. And that's why we moved to the cloud in such strength. And I think it made it secure, more secure for a couple of reasons. Previously, we were trying to secure everything. And it just meant, I guess, our, one, we weren't, for, it's, that's a lot of effort into securing everything. And it made our infrastructure almost leaky. I think it's Frederick the Great says, if you try to secure everything, you secure nothing. And then by leveraging the expertise of cloud providers to secure 90% of our information, it meant we could focus that security on that 10%, the stuff that we really, really deeply cared about. And therefore, it made it all more secure. Yeah, it was also deeply helpful just to rationalise the fact that all the work and all of the data around citizens needs to be properly secured. And in many circumstances, we the people had stuff that was, quote, unclassified. And so this meant that we made sure that all of our data was secured properly so that citizens could trust the government with any data that they shared with them. And that, going back to the point at the very beginning, is right at the heart of the reforms was that citizens could trust the government to look after their data for them. So it's really interesting there. You've talked a little bit about how things can go a bit, can get a bit messy when people start interpreting systems and processes to their, you know, to, to make it work for them in, in the context of how they classify things. 
that that's also you know we can also hear how um things can get a bit messy when people start using IT in a way that it's not necessarily you know how you intended it to be used shadow IT is such a great example of how if you don't think about users that you think you're being more secure you're being less secure the number of occasions in the old style data classification people were putting a restricted stamp on it or a confidential stamp on it thinking they're more secure and they'd done the secure bit by calling it restricted and then they send it to someone and then that person couldn't work on it so they email it to themselves at home because the IT didn't work for them and that's just in an office IT environment when people were trying to innovate and and test and experiment and build minimum viable products for new services they're probably going to be spinning up servers on a cloud provider with their credit card rather than using an environment that you can control and manage and audit because you've given them the ability to innovate. And I mean, I think particularly if you work with a set of development teams, it's really important that you give them the capability and the tools that you have, but you also need to make sure that you're doing that within a secure environment. And that's where thinking about security as an enabler also helps you get over the issue of shadow IT. One of the mottos we had for the work as we brought in a, a more flexible and, and more modern IT cell, I remember desktop service within the government, um, British government, was we said the, the tech should be as good as that which you use at home. And that was the ambition and that's what we delivered. But that meant that this whole move towards shadow IT got wiped out because we were giving the user what they needed. And so it's it's so important that you can align the user need and the delivery of services to your users with clear and effective security. Putting those two things together make reforming in a public service organization much easier, much simpler, and it helps you accelerate. Because security, which is job zero for us, but it's also job zero for our customers, is is really, really at the heart of being able to move fast. Capability comes up a lot. And one question we get from customers is, oh, will people's jobs have to change? And actually, you're you're answering that question there as well. It's being able to, you're empowering people because they can innovate more quickly. They're doing more interesting work because they're not necessarily provisioning servers. One thing I've seen is it's more interesting work for uh, partners as well. So where you're outsourcing the development, I think it allows your partner to work more closely with you, more collaboratively with you. So you don't just have a, a contractual relationship. And it's it's more empowering for everyone. It's more interesting. And seeing people in, in some of these managed service providers talk excitedly about services they've worked on feels very different from the outsourcing relationships governments had 10 years ago. What do you think about security in the public sector? Share your perspective and join the conversation on our LinkedIn page at AWS Executive Connection. There are many examples, I think, around the world, aren't there, through the pandemic of how having that foundation enabled governments to respond far faster to the needs that came up to move services online. What we've seen is that the governments and the public service organisations that have set up clear and secure foundations for their services have found being able to have found it much easier and much quicker to innovate and build new services. I mean, the general response to the pandemic was about three things. It was about speed, it was about scale, and it was about security. 
And all three of those things needed to be in place in order to build the new services that were required. And if you look at Egypt, where they had to move 22,000 schools online pretty much overnight, or Jordan, where they had to move uh, their education systems uh, overnight to new models and new services. It was only really because they'd, they'd set up, they'd done the hard work at the beginning to make it simple to do that later. That was the really powerful component and leveraging the cloud to do that when they could do that quickly and effectively. And some circumstances of really gnarly, difficult problems. Um, for example, in Rhode Island in the United States, where the need to help service unemployment claims was very challenging, volumes rocketing overnight. The use of the ability to stand up a cloud-based call center function in Connect and the ability to, to, to move services to the cloud meant that they were able to work much more quickly, much more responsively to the huge demand for them that came in extremely quickly. And we've seen that around the world, really. The, the Canadians with their equivalent of the furlough scheme, the British furlough scheme, all of those things were where people stood up services, re- had to stand up services really quickly, but they relied on high security, the ability to deliver services online. And one of the big things I remember remarking on as we went through those changes was five years ago, the story would have all been about how the system couldn't cope with the volume. Now, as people started to use the cloud and use the cloud effectively, that was something that was done. It was fine. It wasn't an issue. And that's a remarkable transformation in the way that government can deliver services to its citizens because it's been they've prepared themselves properly. It was a real differentiator. Governments that demonstrated they could be responsive, responsive governments, there was clear air between them and governments who weren't prepared to leverage infrastructure like cloud to deliver those new services or change services to respond to the pandemic. And governments that were also responsive, we saw the innovation in the economy. So the small and medium-sized enterprises that could also leverage cloud and build services and partner and work with governments also benefited. So it's not just the hyperscalers. Yeah. One of the things we've seen through all of this growth and through all of these reforms was that the, the ability of leveraging the cloud and we leveraged the cloud for security reasons. That was the number one reason, but it also gave us access to great innovation. Leveraging the cloud gives you the ability to turn public procurement into economic growth. That's something we'll talk about in some other podcasts. But that ability to, to, to leverage public procurement to generate economic growth is right at the heart of the reforms and the generation of reforms which help build new digital economies based around great public services. It sounds as if the pandemic has almost meant that the bar is now in a different place. The thing is, I think it's what citizens expect. I think citizens will expect that governments and public service organisations will operate in a similar way to other organisations that operate using great digital tools uh, and that look after their data with industry-leading security protocols. Um and actually, that's what we've just been talking about, the reformist governments that deliver responsive services. That's exactly what they're doing as well. The governments are able to leverage the cloud to become as responsive as the best e-commerce and digitally transformed organizations. And my own personal experience of, you know, look at the 
digital app, apps and digital sites and services that the NHS has delivered during the pandemic. People will now expect services to be online within weeks of something happening. And then I remember registering a, a test result. One week, it's, you know, register it. And then two weeks later, I've noticed the service has just improved slightly. It's just this yeah. continuous improvement. And there is just this expectation that that's there now. Yeah, that's it. It's, um, and also at great speed, I remember it's, I mean, one of the things with the NHS app is that it, it, it runs out after a time. Your, your credentials run out on your device and you have to re-register. I remember going to a concert in the summer and suddenly went, Oh no, I've got to re, oh, no, I've got to get my ID back. It took 30 seconds to get the identity back. And that's because it was built properly effectively around the user, but also it could cope with the surge of demand of lots of people using it at one time. Yeah. And do that in a way that I trusted it with all of my medical data. Now that's, that's yeah. a really transformative point that we've got to where people are, where, where, where services like the National Health Service, which is, you know, it's, National Health Service England is 56 million customers and 56 million people using it. It's got to be able to scale. Uh, and, and it's one of the things we've seen really as a, as a great example on that space. But also you've seen, you know, the move towards more responsive and more online services. So say in Australia, one of our, um, our great cases in New South Wales in Australia using telemedicine and using the ability to, to talk to and engage with customers and be able to cope with the surge in demand as new restrictions or new changes are announced. That's a really difficult thing to do within a public service organization, but they've done that because they've leveraged cloud services like Connect to help them do that. And I think it links to, I guess, a more general point about transformation in, in government in that we know it's hard. We've been there. There'll be lots of people who are resistant. And one of the things we, we advise and, and have seen has worked is show the thing. So it's so much more powerful to see a responsive service that can be stood up quickly and is working than reams and reams of paper business cases. Yeah. And the pandemic has been that catalyst for reformers and transformers to show a thing that works and has been able to build quickly. And then we've seen governments ask for more and more and more as a result. And so you just had this cycle of change happen so much more quickly. People, once they start using cloud, they don't go backwards. They want more of it because yeah. of all those benefits and that extra security. I mean, going back to the, the European Commission, one of the things they, they, they had a great line, which was that they'd been trying to get people to use digital signatures for 10 years. And everyone wanted to use, you know, the paper was best. And, and the pandemic then meant everyone went, right. Okay. We're going to go to digital signatures. And that was a reform that, that people have embraced. They love it. And you're right. No one's going to go backwards. No one's going to go back and say, I want to have worse services that cost me more and involve more administration. So this is always this, this forward movement is, is, is fascinating to watch, but it's, it's also something that's really just been empowered again by people being able to trust what they've got and the services they use. And that goes back to our original point about security is the foundation of all of these reforms. Where is this going? Where are the next big changes and transformations, do you think, in terms of, well, specifically security, but but more generally? I think part of it, don't forget that we're in the very early days of, of transformation of public services, that there's a huge amount still to do to try and get effective and efficient public services for governments around the world and there are some really amazing reformers who are working tirelessly but it is early days and the changes that we will see will lead to more efficient smoother more secure services for people 
And as we go through new administrative reforms around travel and, and around um, in, engagement with society generally, there are changes where government becomes very evident, but it will become smoother and become more effective as people are able to work with it. The big thing I would say about that is you can only really move at the pace that citizens want and you can only really get the innovation um, to work at that pace if you're using cloud computing. It's, it, you can't stand up, you can't go and build, buy, build, procure, establish, run, patch, look after your own data centers and then do all of that innovation. So just leverage that, um, leverage the cloud to help you move faster and help you move faster securely. Are you also seeing this, Alex, that people are quite excited about what's possible? Yes, I think people really are excited by what's possible. What I've noticed recently is you can talk about think technologies like virtual reality and things, but they're almost innovation for innovation's sake. And I think people are getting excited about cloud again. And it's because we're still in the early adoption stages of cloud, despite being a technology that AWS have been delivering for 16 years. And it's because they can see how much innovation this fundamental technology can deliver. You know, these services, which are simple to use, they're reliable, they're scalable, you can stand up new ones quickly. It's what people want. They don't want virtual reality. So that's one of the biggest trends we're seeing is just this greater adoption of cloud computing because people can link it to those benefits and citizens can see the benefits more as well. I think the second trend we're seeing is governments and organizations who are perhaps early adopters of cloud, they're using more and more managed services. So where you might leverage the security of, of cloud, if we're just using instances like EC2, that you're not levering, leveraging as much managed security as if you're using a managed database like Aurora. Or Liam talked about Amazon Connect, the cloud-based uh, call center. And of course, all of that is end-to-end -end encrypted. It's all, uh, all the security is managed behind the scenes for you, and it's an end-to-end -end service. And we're seeing more and more customers adopt those managed services and, and leave more of the security to people who it's for, for it is job zero. Well, thank you, Liam and Alex. I think we can really see how essential security is to make transformation happen successfully. Thanks for listening to this episode of Conversations with Leaders, brought to you by AWS Executive Insights. If you enjoyed this episode, please help us spread the word and subscribe, share, rate, and review. For more public sector insights, visit aws.amazon.com institute.